0: Hello everyone, I'm Jensene Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. to part two of the incredible story and journey of one woman's search for truth to uncover racial injustice in our courts, our culture, political and governmental arenas. You don't want to go anywhere as my guest, Alice Patterson, founder and president of Justice at the Gate and granddaughter of a former Ku Klux Klan member, shares her eye-opening and soul-rendering story. Alice, welcome back to Testimony. Thank you. Alice, it is such an honor and a privilege to have you with us today on this program. And I know that my introduction of you doesn't even touch upon all that you've done. You've written a book called Bridging the Racial and Political Divide. And if people want more information, I want to let them know up front to go to www.justiceatthegate.com. Dot org. That's J-U-S-T-I-C-E at thegate.org. And you can purchase a copy of this amazing book. It, I think it should be required reading in every school. It's just phenomenal. Anyway, for the benefit of our listening audience, if you've missed part one, the controversial book, which some are saying, bridging the racial and political divide, we have with us today Alice Patterson. Now, Alice, in this segment, I would love for you to pick up where we left off, go a little deeper, and talk about some of the shocking truths that you talk about in your book.
1: Well, one of the things that really surprised me happened after a black pastor who had been a lifelong Democrat He was asked to pray at the Republican convention because he was a friend of the governor's. And while he was there, he went to our prayer rally and heard a white guy repent for racism. And it so touched his heart that he changed parties in the middle of the convention, saying, I came into this convention a a Democrat, but I'm leaving a Republican because God is in this place. And that would be wonderful if that was true in all the Republican parties in the nation, but when I was just chatting with him one day, because he had um, he has a polling place in his church, and I had seen the uh, the Get Out the Vote manual that he has when they, when they uh, have 5,900 households in his church, and they, they uh, rent the buses, and they have a coordinator in all the Sunday schools, etc. So I asked him to tell me about when he was a national delegate to the Democratic Convention, and he said, I've never been a delegate. Well, I said, well, you have been a state delegate. You mean you haven't been a national delegate? Because he has a polling place in his church, and he's, he's who with uh, Democratic uh, politics have been in his church. And he said, I've never been to a convention until Miss Susan asked me to pray at the Republican convention. And it made me so angry. Now, I knew this was true in Odessa, where I'd lived for 30 years, because my friend Kathy, who had run the Democratic phone banks for twi- for 10 years, she was on the board of Planned Parenthood, she'd run for city council, and she had a life change when her daughter got pregnant. And so she was helping me with my racism. And so I was asking her, what do you do um, in the general election? We buy tacos and beer for the Hispanics and bus them to the polls. We buy barbecue for blacks and bus them to the polls. And I said, well, what do you do about precinct conventions? And precinct conventions are the entry-level meeting that happened in Texas at the night of the primaries on the Democratic and Republican side. And if you vote in the primary, you can go to the precinct convention, and then you vote on the platform issues that become the platform are the ideology of the party, and then you also eventually vote on the leaders of your party. And and Pastor Jackson told me that, you know, uh, Kathy said, we don't tell them about precinct conventions. We bus them to the polls for the vote, but we don't tell them about precinct conventions. So I thought that was just West Texas. And here's Pastor Jackson in Houston telling me he's never heard of a precinct convention, and he has a polling place in his church. And it made me so angry. My hands were shaking, my voice was shaking, and he's trying to calm me down. Miss Patterson, it's okay, it's okay. And I said, no, sir, it is not okay that you have carried the water for the Democrats. You get out the vote. If they want to be elected, they have to come to your church. It is not okay that they have not given you information about how to participate in your own party. And now I understand why, because... Before I understood about race, I judged the black community by the Democratic Party that they support 91% of the time, 96% of the time in 2008 for President Obama. What I know now is that black Americans are the most pro-life ethnic group in America. They are the most um, pro-traditional marriage group in America. They are the most pro-school prayer religious group in America, and they haven't been invited to participate in their own party because their values are opposite of the Democratic Party, and the people in charge of the party would lose their issues and their power.
0: Exactly, and this brings me to, I think, a crucial point that you make in your book regarding education. Republicans were all about education, setting the slaves free, but not so with the Democrats. But most people don't think that today. Can you elaborate on that? That's true. Um, really the ones who control the Democratic
1: Party are the teacher unions, the, uh, the feminist pro-abortion segment, the pro-civil... Uh, um, Homosexual rights segment and then the media and the entertainment industry as a lesser part. And a book that I read by former Secretary of Education Rod Page called The War Against Hope, in that he calls the Democratic Party a wholly owned
0: subsidiary
1: of the teacher unions. And the teacher unions fight for. Uh, liberal politics. They're not in it for the students. They're not in it for education. In fact, they are the ones who oppose school choice. And it's interesting that the Democrats were the ones who were standing in the 1950s in Little Rock, Arkansas, and wouldn't let the Little Ruby Bridges and the other six black um, Americans get into the schools without the president sending the National Guard down to protect them after the the Brown versus Board of Education changed and desegregated the schools. It's the same Democrats led by the teacher unions that want to keep black children and Hispanic children in the inner cities in failing schools and unsafe schools and won't let them out to have an education. And the... Um, and, and kids, you know, I've heard so many stories. There's a man in San Antonio, I don't think I wrote it in the book, but he gave scholarships to inner-city students because of the things that he heard. And, and he put one ad in the newspaper for scholarships for poor kids in the inner city of San Antonio one time, and he got 7,000 ad- applicants and he had one thousand scholarships and he had uh immediately a principal call him and say you've got to take these two black boys that are twins um and and jim told him i can't do that because all the scholarships are gone and he and he said you don't understand these the gangs are after them and they will die if they don't get a scholarship Another young boy was 11 years old, sodomized in the public school library by the gangs. It had nothing to do about sex. It had to do about control. Another little girl um, on the playground, elementary girl, had pencils uh, stuck into her 39 times. She ended up in the emergency room, and the thing that these had in common is that not one single one of them were turned into the police for action. And the father of the boy that was sodomized in the the library came and asked the school to file charges, and they brought the security guards and asked them to take him off campus. It's appalling what's happening to kids in our inner-city schools, and they need to be free to go to the school of their choice, whether it's a private school or a public school or a charter school, But we've got to do something about kids in the inner cities that are dying and that are dropping out. 50% of the kids drop out, end up in prison, and end up on the rolls of, uh, you know, crime and drugs and everything else.
0: A part of the reason that you wrote your book is on page 37. You talk about a divine encounter, something that you will never forget. You mentioned the book of Isaiah chapter 58 which states cry loudly do not hold back raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression now in reading your book Alice one of the things or the mandates that God has put on your heart is repentance for past sins and transgressions of peoples and cultures because through repentance there can come transformation. Can you talk about that in our remaining uh, few moments here? Can you just speak to anyone that's listening today that has had a problem with racism in this country that need healing, that need to forgive? Uh, Can you just speak into that, please?
1: Yes. Um, You know, I know that if you grew up in America no matter where it is, in California, the South, and you are a person of color, you're Hispanic, you're black, you're Asian, you're Native American, whatever, Um, you have been face-to-face with racism and discrimination. And much of it in the white culture is unconscious, but it's it's still there. And I just want to stand in as a white person, whoever that person was, a teacher, um, a policeman, a, a friend, someone in school, a, a, an employer, and just ask you to forgive me on behalf of them. You know, I've heard people say before, I didn't own slaves, so why should I repent? Well, Nehemiah repented on behalf of of his fathers he said I and my fathers have sinned in Nehemiah 1 6 and Daniel also repented on behalf of his fathers and of his nation and it's amazing what happens when you just say you're sorry when you acknowledge that there is racism in our nation and we accept it and then we um, ask for forgiveness when you release and you forgive, then there is something that is released off of your life, and freedom comes. And I pray that for everybody that's listening to my voice today.
0: Alice, I want to thank you for being with us on Testimony. Will you come back and share some more about your life and your book and your work?
1: I would love to. I would really love to. Thank you so much for having me, Jen Singh.
0: Thank you for being with us. God bless you. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at gensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. Or write to us at Testimony, P.O. Box 1333, Palm Desert, California, 92261. That's P.O. Box 1333, Palm Desert, California, 92261. I'm Jensene Bard. Please join us again for Testimony.